3: What is up and happy Wednesday? You know, we're getting ready for a big weekend Palm Springs Pride. I know, I'm so excited. It's going to be fun. It is. And we're going to be heading there on Friday. We're going to be doing our show from Palm Springs. I'm so excited. I'm really excited for Happy Hour. I imagine it right now.
4: I've just been in Palm Springs a lot lately.
3: What? Oh, yeah. I haven't been, been in a long time.
4: Yeah, I enjoyed it. I was just there, it was
3: nice. So, the big question is, what are you going to be wearing, Ryan?
4: Why would you ask me that when we already talked about me not knowing?
3: I know, but I, I saw you maybe looking at some things. and Did anything pop out? Do you have any ideas, like any inspiration?
4: Well, maybe I'll just go naked.
3: Okay. I like it. Really letting it all out if i You know, why
4: not? Show a little skin. Give, a little, give the kids something to look at.
3: Maybe I'll do it with you.
4: It's not your time to do it. No one's going to be looking at you, so maybe you could do it because it wouldn't get any attention except for if there's like the girls out
3: there. Um, hello. Yeah, last time you remember, I got some attention when we were there for last Palm Springs Pride.
4: What? From who?
3: I don't know. From people. People loving my outfit. I think no, I was wearing yeah, something. No, yeah, girl, but that's not sexual attention. Whatever. It's attention.
4: Um, that's all that matters.
3: Uh, we've got lots coming up on the show today. Caitlyn Jenner. Speaks out about O.J. Simpson. And what she said was pretty big. That's in the T-Report in a moment. Plus how dating apps can be better for the non-binary community. Uh, That is going to be at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern on the show. First, let's uh, get into some what's trending this hour. Uh, Virginia State Delegate Danica Roem won re-election in Manassas. Yes. Is, Is it Rome? Rome.
4: Danica, I like Danica. Danica's been on the show.
3: Yes, Miranda, we gotta get show. her back, actually. In 2017, I'm she happy became. I she kept her spot. Yes, because some did not, of course. It was not necessarily a great night for Democrats. Uh, if you remember. It was tw- an
4: awful night for Democrats, actually.
3: Yeah. We'll be talking more about that. The actually. Do
4: Nothing Dims. This is what Republicans
3: call them. Oh, no. Which, honestly,
4: uh, I might have to agree it's at some point. Just because, you know, Democrats just, they don't fight. They don't have that energy, like, that fighting energy that I'd be looking for for them. Like, they just let oh, Republicans get a lot, away with a lot of things.
3: There is something in the gap. There's a gap right now. Where's
4: the, not even, it doesn't even have to be negative energy. It just needs to be like, we are fighting for, you know, everything we said we need to get done. Let's get it done.
3: That's true. There, there's not a, a, a alignment happening right now, and it's going to cause them to lose their power. Uh, but... Yeah. I was actually... All right, so just a little recap before I go into the next story. Oh, because right. um, No, just of Danica, because some folks might not realize that, uh, how important and historic her place is in politics. In 2017, she became the first openly transgender person elected and seated in a state legislator in the U.S. Two years later, she became the first out trans state legislator to win re-election. Uh, so for the third time, she said, the people of the city of Manassas Park, the Western Prince William portions of Haymarket, Gainesville, and my longtime home have supported our message of making Virginia a more inclusive Commonwealth where we build up our infrastructure instead of tear down each other. Uh, And of course they'll need that because Virginia was not good. Otherwise for the Democrats last night. And president Biden is saying that the U S will have a vaccine program for kids ages five to 11 up and running as soon as next week. Here he is today.
1: As soon as next week, we'll have enough vaccine and enough places And parents will be able to schedule
5: appointments to get their kids their first shot. And we've already secured enough vaccine supply for every single child in America ages 5 through
2: 11.
3: Now, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced today that paid family and medical leave is back in the massive social safety net spending package. But its inclusion in the final draft hinges, of course, on the support from Senator Joe Manchin, a key centrist. So it's like, okay, so it was taken out. Mm-hmm. And now it's back in, but still, it's not really in because you still need his support.
4: Yeah, and who knows if we're going to get that. Now Mention's th- doing everything in his power to not be on the right side of history.
3: Well, the proposal will include four weeks of paid leave. Two sources familiar with it uh, told NBC News. The sources asked for anonymity to discuss negotiations. So hopefully something will happen very soon. And America will do something we can be proud of because the rest of the world is calling us out for taking that out. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Woo, the wild claim about O.J.
4: Simpson that Caitlyn Jenner just made. It is time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um. So, yeah, the former Olympian is currently one of the housemates on Australia's Big Brother VIP and literally on Monday, she opened up about the 1994 homicide case. I'm just going to let y'all listen to the clip. Obviously,
2: he did it and, and he got away with it. And at one point, he even told Nicole, I'll kill you and get away with it because I'm O.J. Simpson. I recently, you know, relayed that on to Chris at one point. And um,
3: unfortunately, she was right. Yikes.
4: Yeah, it is, um, I don't know, I guess one of the, you know who else is in this house, actually? Meghan Markle's brother is also on this oh, season, and weird. so is Omarosa. Um And yeah, they're just all sitting down talking about, you know, just certain things and aspects. And Caitlyn Jenner offered this piece of information, which, whoa, I wonder if OJ Simpson is going to have anything to say back about that.
3: Probably not. I don't think he wants to stir the pots. Is he Had in prison? You, yes, no. O.J. Simpson has been I out. Thought he's he was back in prison. No. What? No. O.J. Simpson so. prison. He's been out. He's like Googling. always like. um... He remains, on, he remains on parole following his release from prison in July 2017 after serving nine years for armed robbery, kidnapping, and assault with a weapon. Yeah, but you that know, was like use. forever ago.
4: Um. So I mean, who knows? But real quick, I got more T report court stories coming up next hour, of course. But I got to tell you about, oh my God, the real the real reason why we're going to Palm Springs. You ready? Yes. So Channel Q and the Morongo Casino Resort and Spa are kicking off Palm Springs Pride Weekend with our first. Annual Divas in the Desert Drag Show Galore. Hosted by Channel Q's AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon and starring drag diva Rosemary Galore and Friends... Plus, guess what, honey? The first 25 people to arrive get their first drink for free. So join us this Thursday, November 4th, literally tomorrow, from 8 to 11 p.m. in the Drum Room at the Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. And kick off Palm Springs Pride with Channel Q and the true queens of the desert. For more details, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com.
3: Woot! Okay. Next up, Virginia has gone red. What happened, and how it will impact the rest of the country? Next, let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Republican Glenn Youngkin has defeated Democrat Terry McAuliffe in the race for governor in Virginia. Republicans haven't gotten a statewide election win since 2009. And joining us right now is Dana Milbank, opinion columnist covering national politics at the Washington Post. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Now, this has been a big loss for Democrats. A lot of people are concerned right now. What happened? How did this become such a, a big loss?
5: Well, I think uh, Democrats should be concerned. I mean, my view is that uh, you know, since uh, the election exactly a year ago, uh, they've been looking to the Democrats to see can they make government function? Can they get stuff done? And, you know, what we've seen instead is the uh, progressive Democrats fighting with the moderate Democrats and basically holding hostage uh, pieces of legislation, uh, infrastructure legislation, Joe Biden's build back better agenda. This is the sort of thing that could be juicing the economy and showing some real results. But instead, they really had nothing to show. And I think uh, in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe uh, paid the price for that, I think. The poorer than expected showing in New Jersey for the Democrats is is also evidence of that. So I think uh, their voters are reacting with disappointment. Uh, with Biden, but I think the discipline with Biden is driven by the failure of uh, Democrats in Congress to to act.
4: Well, I also wonder how prepared Democrats were, because Republican Glenn Youngkin, I mean, basically kind of won this way, race based off of the conversation around critical race theory. Mm. How much did that really kind of play into what we saw and how the voters really turned out, Republican voters were turned out in, in huge numbers, especially Especially when it was broken down in exit polls
5: yeah i think uh it, you, he sort of ran like he ran away from trump at the individual but he ran the traditional trumpian playbook so you know uh, uh race baiting uh conspiracy theories you know all kinds of uh, uh untruths but uh yeah a critical race theory was you know is is a popular uh you know uh, cudgel that's being used you know it's largely a Largely an invention, as sort of a, a phantom uh, menace, but uh, it has been, uh, you know, it's it, you know like MS-13 before it and sanctuary cities. It's just sort of you know code words to tell uh, uh, white voters to be afraid, and, and fear motivates people. That's that you know that's the success of the uh, Trump coalition. So I think we've seen that the Trump coalition can be assembled without Trump. So you know Democrats need to be uh, wary of that. You know that said, I think. Far more people turned out because of the economy uh, than any other issue and you know, economy and jobs. And that's why I think the, uh, had the Democrats been able to deliver on more of the agenda, it wouldn't have mattered um, You know, all the other issues about really? school boards and uh, critical race theory, basically the, the fabricated issues. Uh, wouldn't have mattered as much.
4: Yeah, we know it's fabricated, but the it seems like Republican voters really truly believe that critical race theory is being taught in K-12 through schools. And so I wonder, how is this going to be replicated if they now know that it can work without Trump? How is this going to be replicated through Republican language moving forward? Because it seems like they figured out how to get voters riled up.
5: Well, it's always just a variation of that, right? You know, so it's Antifa, it's uh, uh, BLM, uh, you know, sanctuary cities. I mean, it's so it's always going to be something like that. Uh, And I think that, you know, everybody just has to accept that that's going to be part of the uh, strategy. It's going to be a strategy of scaring white voters, particularly uh, white voters who have not graduated from college. You know, that's the Core Republican uh, demographic right now, Uh, and they're going to keep frightening them. So there's no point of the Democrats, uh, you know, trying to play uh, on that turf. Uh, They're not going to win over people who are harboring, you know, uh, racial animus, Uh, but uh, they can uh, win over people who, you know, want to see their government produce results.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what could Democrats do moving forward, knowing that this is the strategy for Republicans? and they're going to be moving into this looking towards the midterms, what could be a good strategy here to rile up this side of the aisle?
5: Well, it's, you know, reverse their course and uh, get these two major pieces of legislation through. I think that'll uh, change things immediately. I mean, you know, people will be talking about, you know, everybody getting uh, broadband internet across the country. You'll see the work on roads and bridges. You'll see the tax breaks for uh lower and middle income people and uh big crackdowns on uh corporate taxes and the and the ultra wealthy you know you'll see you know very tangible things out there and and the democrats will have a story to tell so that's uh you know that's the way uh you know good governing is also good politics in this case
4: yeah so that i guess good governing means democrats have to all get on the same page and stop (laughs) hollygagging right
5: yeah and i you know some people blame mansion cinema some people blame the uh the progressive caucus Uh, certainly mansion and cinema have been the most difficult uh in these uh negotiations but uh yeah it's time for everybody to just say you know there are important things here it's it's not just the democratic party that's in trouble democracy is in trouble so you know you've got to prove that this can still work so they really have a, a higher calling to answer to and hopefully uh, last night, they they heard that and they're actually going to get down to work now.
3: Definitely. Well, that was Dana Milbank, opinion columnist covering national politics at The Washington Post. Thank you so much again. Pleasure. Now, we do have some good news in all of this. LGBTQ candidates won big last night. More on who you should know next.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
6: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
1: LGBTQ
3: candidates won big in last night's election. Yes, finally some good news. And in their victories, many of them also smashed through rainbow ceilings and made history. So what are the names that you should know? Anise Parker joins us right now, president and CEO of the LGBTQ Victory Fund. Thanks for joining us.
7: Uh, Happy to be on. And uh, yes, very excited about last night.
3: We are the only national
7: organization, LGBT Victory Fund, that, that focuses on candidates up and down the ballot. And those down ballot candidates had a good night. The higher you go up, where you get, you have the national politics at play. The results are more mixed.
3: Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's interesting to see uh, what, what actually happened. Anise, we're going to actually call you back because we have a little bit of a tech issue right now. And we want to hear everything you have to say about this because it is important. So we're going to call you back.
4: But in the meantime, let's uh, talk about some of the big ones, right? Because Andrea Jenkins from Minnesota, she won. Uh, she was reelected to the Minneapolis City uh, Council after becoming one of the first out trans representatives of any major city council in 2017. So congratulations for her for keeping her role. Uh, Dawn Adams, regardless of everything that was happening in Virginia, was reelected to the Virginia House of Delegates and will continue her work as the only out lesbian delegate in the state. I yes, think she's in the that. 68th District, which is super huge as well. I'm just happy we're seeing more queer representation in all forms because we can't be stuck with Krista cinema.
3: <laughs> For real. And it, it it seems it is important at this level because this is where a lot of the policy begins. Right. And ends. And I wonder if the down if, ballots are always yeah, more important. Yeah. And so I do wonder in the next year or two with this shift, if, if this will create a shift with all these anti-LGBTQ bills being pushed. I I Maybe. do feel like Hopefully. it will help.
4: It's always going to help having more representation inside of these offices and doing the work, especially when it comes to the local communities, are always going to be helpful. And it's always going. It's also going to be kind of like they are the example to set in the community of like what queer representation kind of looks like and, and the things that can really happen. And I think Anissa's back.
3: Oh hey, hey back. yes, much yes. better. Okay, because you're doing such great work at the Victory Fund. Uh, tell us what went into getting these folks elected. Because really, Victory Fund does so much work in this. We're fans of Victory Fund.
7: <laughs> well, thank you. You know, it actually starts with the other half of the organization, which is the Victory Institute, the C three side. Because in order to have wins on election night, you have to have really good candidates. And what we do on the Victory Institute side is help identify and train openly LGBTQ candidates who want to run for office. And then when they're ready to raise their hand and jump into the race, the Victory Fund steps in and works to help raise them the resources they need to be successful. And how
4: how is it do you ever come up with especially coming out of the pandemic, I always wonder, especially when getting these candidates ready, um, is it hard finding funding, especially in the middle of everything kind of going on with the economy and just I mean, just the pandemic of it all. Like, how has that been, especially how you all pivoted during this time and things like that?
7: Uh, Well, the pandemic was hard on everybody. And there were folks whose incomes were were cut. Uh, But there are a lot of folks out there who watched what was happening during the pandemic, who rated how their current elected officials handled all the challenges that were coming at them. And were unhappy and decided, yeah. "Hey, I'm going to run." There are a lot of others, or who decided, "You know, I'm not happy with people who are representing us right now. Yeah. I want to mm-hmm. find and support good candidates who are ready to step up." To be clear, Victory doesn't endorse all LGBTQ right. candidates. Yeah. We try to engage with them to give them information and, and assist as we can, but we only endorse those where we see a path to to victory. And the good news is if the right candidate has the right message and runs a good campaign, our candidates can win anywhere and everywhere. Love that. that.
3: So we've talked about Danica and some other candidates who won. What are the ones that stand out for you that you want to just highlight today that people should be looking out for? So we're
7: really excited. I hadn't seen the results yet, uh, but uh, Liliana, Liliana Bakhtiari, who is a candidate for... Uh, Atlanta City Council ran two years ago, came just heartbreakingly close. This time it was running against an incumbent, this time has stepped up to run again. Uh, Liliana identifies as non Uh she's a Muslim. She goes, she's a she's a uh, Muslim in the South uh, in a in a big city. That would be a tremendous race. But also Another big city, New York, now has six uh, out members of the New York City Council. They've had out members of the New York City Council before, but now they have the first two uh, black women uh, on the City Council and have raised the number to six. Uh, What happens is that you go through, of course, you go through cycles because there's the partisan election year and then these odd years are the down ballot years. It's where Uh, Cities really matter. School boards matter. And as we've seen in the last few months, the school boards are uh, in the eye of the hurricane right now. So having uh, a number of out- school board candidates running across the country has been fascinating to watch.
3: So great. All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. Hope to have you back as we continue getting more into the election season. Um, that was Anise Parker, President and CEO of the LGBTQ Victory Fund. Have a great rest of your day.
7: Thank you. Can I just say, oh, if you'll yeah. tell your viewers or listeners, uh, we have a current map of everybody who is running. If you go to the Victory Fund website, we did a live update as the election returns were coming in so you can see uh, where people won and lost in the outcome of the races.
3: Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was good information to share. (laughs) Well, uh, coming up next on the show, QAnon believers are flocking to Dallas for the grand return of someone who is not alive anymore, although they think he's returning. The latest conspiracy theory they're sharing next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. QAnoners are latching on to a new crazy idea. So they gathered in Dallas this week as there was this third uh, theory that circulated that JFK Jr., who, by the way, has been dead for more than 20 years, would reappear and announce that former President Trump will be reinstated as president.
4: Okay. (laughs) Like... I mean, it just gets wackier and wackier and better and better. My thing is, QAnon... honestly may should maybe should win a, a nobel peace prize because it's literally letting us know who are the weakest links in this world seriously at this point people went to this place it didn't happen obviously yes and then it started raining like it poured down raining by the way
3: the universe was saying something to them. like idiots
4: get away from here this is not happening. And then I think um I was listening to a podcast and they were saying that um other um like I guess like on Reddits and stuff yeah. or like other threads. Th- th- yeah, f- people were f- people were now like coming up with conspiracies of other people who were gonna come back from the dead to like state their claim and Trump was gonna be the king of kings and all these crazy things.
3: Like, so here's the thing. Like, how bored are you in your life? To be diving this deep, I don't even.
4: Th- I don't even think it's boredom because I have. I've well, had a friend. Sad. I mean, you're
3: looking for some sort of answer.
4: Well, no, it's it's really sad because I think. Uh, it's, it's not really sad for everyone. I think some people are just like complete idiots and they just are so willing to be a contrarian that they're willing to be like, oh, everyone's saying this, I'm going to go the opposite right. Yeah, like deep down. In but the I route. have a friend whose mom is like on Facebook and stuff uh-huh. and had a moment during the pandemic, we were catching up and he was telling me that she had a moment where she actually kind of got wrapped up yeah. into it because it was just off of a Facebook post. It happens. like So there are innocent folks who are kind of like getting fed this stuff, yep. and then they just kind of go down this rabbit hole, and then they're starting to get targeted, situ- targeted situations. And, yep. and it's just, it, it turns into this whole thing, right? Um, but it's I think most of the folks, however, they are just willing to, I mean, honestly... Sell their third, their child and their leg for Trump and everything QAnon related, which is like sad. Like, how did we get to this point?
3: Well, people that obviously have a, a lack of hope and don't believe in their accountability to make a change in this world. I,
4: I well, I don't even know if it's a lack of hope. Like, because I mean, who,
3: I don't even think crazy folks think like that, that. That seems like very ne- uh, smart to so think about the, the lack thing. of hope. Here's the thing: I think that if you have such a lack of trust and you want to blame everything around you for where you're at in the, in the world. You don't want to take a step to create change. So you find a reason why the things that are happening around you are all wrong. And you go down that rabbit hole. Does that make sense? Producer Vanessa's like, yes. Like, you will latch on to anything to bring something back, like, something that's so impossible because the reality that's happening around you is hard for you to grasp and you don't want to be part of it. It's easier to, like, stand in your place of non-motion. Like, you don't want change. You think change is impossible. You, You refuse to, like, be part of the change but can i say something what? that takes
4: a very self-aware person no, to I, even go through
3: i'm aware things. to no, no no actually they're so no people sabotage themselves all the time with crazy stuff without knowing it's but they're actually, not they're we're doing it because we're they're, to they're realize that that's all they know and that's all they've been raised exactly in, and
4: so like that's just who they are going to be totally so at this point i don't care if they have a self-reflection and they're trying no, to get i'm better.
3: reflecting on like the psychology around this crazy No, stuff. i get what you're yeah. doing
4: I'm just saying I don't care about them. I am not. I don't even uh, care to explain the psychological aspect (laughs) of their actions because their actions are killing people. They are the same people who aren't getting vaccinated. They are the same people who's the the fact that COVID has killed so many folks in this country. Now we have a vaccine and they still don't want to do it. Now you go to your kid's school and now they want to box you. And like you can't even be a teacher or on the school board and just pay your bills without feeling like you're about to get threatened or followed back to your home like these people are villains it's, it's turning into oh, Gotham yeah. like this is no, like some it is. Batman it's, tri- crazy it's
3: tribal crap. right it's, wild. it's like you want to be on a team right like I don't like your team I'm gonna create my own and there's a sense of belonging in this team I feel like I'm. I have people around me that get me because I felt well, so misunderstood. What you're describing is
4: white supremacy because white supremacy tells you that if if you are you you've been at such a position of power that if it feels like you're going to be off your pedestal and you're not going to have that same amount of power than you have, then guess what? Everything else is wrong.
3: Yep. I mean, it's sad. So we we got to figure this out. I mean, but the election Wise last words. night. That was my I mean, <laughs> But the election last night is worrisome to any sort of change. We changed I saw it happening, though. Like you steps felt back, like I, one step forward. It, that has happened, but we got to go. Well, that was the wackiness. I think that might be the craziest story we have today. Anyway, next up, and this kind of connects to our next story, why Lady Gaga reveals why she wore a bulletproof v- Uh, dress at Biden's inauguration that and we're next on what's trending this hour let's go there with Shira and
6: Ryan Channel Q
3: coming up of course more music right here on Channel Q but we're going to be telling you more about a Game of Thrones star who has revealed what it was like filming sex scenes and it's not a good not a good situation that's in the tear report in a moment Plus, what dating apps can do to be more inclusive for the non-binary community, that is in 30 minutes. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Surprising news coming from Lady Gaga in this interview in British Vogue. She talked about singing the national anthem at Joe Biden's inauguration which was the proudest day of her life. But she also said, I felt a deep fear when Trump was president and ushering 45 out of 46 in it. Something I'll be able to tell my children all about. Singing in a, and this is what people are talking about. She sang in a bulletproof dress. I don't know if people know this about me, but if I weren't who I am today, I would have been a combat journalist. (laughs) That was one of my dreams. When I was at the Capitol the day before the inauguration, I remember walking around and looking for evidence of the insurrection. Gaga's
4: going to give drama. I've been waiting for her to do press for uh, the House of Gucci. Um, and we actually have a story about that coming up next uh, hour in the T-Report. But, um, yeah, Gaga is always going to give us everything we need in her Gaga way. Very uh, track and just, like, whimsical. And I could totally see her...
3: Searching the grounds for it It's right. actually like, like Actual proof for, of it Having her eyes out She's hilarious Looking for all the evidence I'm obsessed with her that, That's intense A bulletproof dress I wonder how heavy that is Well anyway Also Last night of course Many firsts from the election Aftab Became the first Asian American Mayor of Cincinnati
2: They came to this country To provide a better life For their two sons My brother and I and I, I don't know if they envisioned a night like tonight, but I believe that because, because of that incredible decision, my family went from being refugees to now, now the next mayor of Cincinnati. <laughs>
3: Oh, that's nice. I really like that. So congratulations, an early Yaz queen to Afdab Puravel in Cincinnati. And finally, the Supreme Court is hearing arguments today in its first major gun case in more than a decade. And the new conservative supermajority seems ready to make gun regulation more difficult. In 2008, the high court ruled for the first time that the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms grants individuals the right to keep a gun at home for self-defense. But after that, for all practical purposes, the court remained silent on gun rights, even as they rolled through more than 1,400 cases filed to challenge existing gun regulations. So now it has come once again um, from a gun rights advocate. And the court is examining how far a state may go in regulating an individual's right to carry a gun outside of the home. So this could be really huge. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
4: Yes, so let's talk Game of Thrones because a star from the show is talking about how awful filming sex scenes on the show were. Mm. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Gemma Whelan, the actress who portrayed Yara Greyjoy on the fantasy series, is the latest to come forward describing those intimate moments she was a part of as, quote, a sort of frenzied mess. According to Wayland, she attributes that bit of chaos to the fact that the series did not have an intimacy coordinator, something that has become a much more of a staple on production sets in the wake of the Me Too movement. She said this, quote, They used to just say, when we shout action, go for it. (laughs) And it could be a sort of a frenzied mess. Uh, she also said that the actors, because of that, because there was no intimacy coordinator, she said the actors had to rely on each other and check in on each other Oof. to make sure y'all were, they were okay. <laughs> because, of course, it was a, like a lot of incestuous scenes, yeah. a lot of uncomfortable sex scenes. She hasn't been the first to say anything. Um she, yeah, it's like, I mean, I believe, um, like I mean, a lot of the stars have talked about these things. but like, Ken Harrington just recently, not earlier this year says that he had a lot of mental health issues that came directly from Game of Thrones. Yeah. you know, it's it's absolutely a mess. And Amelia Clark, she talked about her uncomfortable yeah. moments with Jason Momoa. Um, so yeah, it's it's really intense. Game of Thrones, there's a lot of mess that came out of that really quickly though. I'll tell you next hour about uh, the our first annual Divas in the Desert Drag Show Galore and why you should be there.
3: But actually, we also are going to be telling you more about it after this. How you can join oh. us for drinks and drags, to, drags, drags oh, tomorrow night. Star, I not even want. I didn't want to do it anyway. <laughs> well, we'll give people more <laughs> scoop in an hour. Star Rosemary Galore joins us next.
8: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
6: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: This Thursday, Channel Q is kicking off our first annual Divas in the Desert Drag Show galore. And joining us now is the star of the show, the fabulous Rosemary Galore. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me. How are you?
3: You know, we are living it up. I think this is like the most upbeat we've been feeling even in this show because you're here. I'm feeling oh my God. it. Yeah, you're bringing well, in the positivity. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the
2: sparkles, the glamour, everything.
4: Exactly. So, what? You know, what can people expect? You know, this is such a a, a huge moment for us that we want to keep going, and I know that you have some amazing things planned. Mm. What can folks expect, especially if this is about to be their first direct show?
2: Well, let's just say that I have with me my bevy of beauties, which are beautiful, larger than life, spectacularly talented. Everyone is going to have a fabulous freaking time. We are going to laugh together, have drinks together, enjoy some fabulous, fierce, gorgeous entertainment. We have Sabrina Williams. Oh, my God. She is just a spectacular showgirl. We have veronica salt who is just the hottest little ticket right now let me tell you i'm so excited to bring her out to the desert and alexa cameron who is a major force to be reckoned with honey let me tell you she does things that i mean you could not pay me to do the things that she does oh
3: I'm intrigued. Mm-mm. I mean,
4: only the best for everyone that's out there listening, you know? Channel Q puts out the best. I mean, best. come on.
2: You know, we're only bringing the best to Morongo, you know.
3: Yes, it is happening at Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. If you're wondering, uh, you could be there in person, 8 to 11 p.m. Drive, is it down or up? I always mix up the directions. Drive down there, wherever you're coming Just from. Just put it in your map. And it right in the waves. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and the doors open at uh, 7 and the first 25 people get a free drink when they get there and we'll have a DJ so you can dance and have a good time before the show starts and after the show finishes the DJ continues to spin for a few hours of enjoyment and let me tell you that drum room where the show is is spectacular it's like 5 million feet up into the air and the view is just sensational. We're, it's just going to be such a fun time.
4: Ooh, so what's the one thing that you like to let audiences know before coming to a drag show? Like, do they need to make sure they have their ones handy? Mm, yeah. Do they need to like, what's the one thing that they have to make sure to prepare themselves for, for this drag show?
2: Uh, they need to prepare themselves to have the best time of their lives. They need to prepare themselves with, yes, of course, if they, like what they see and they want to show their love they can tip the girls in 1 5 10 20 50 100 um, oh, you know, they take yes. all denominations and if you have any loose change we ask that you just please gently roll it onto the ground <laughs> and do not throw it at the girls
4: <laughs> chuck quarters at you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's not a good luck,
3: but you'll take it hey
2: yeah well depending uh, on what yeah, time of show you're into um, they're all vaccinated and everything so it's it's you know it's kind of an interactive experience we're going to be you know right down there with you and everything and we're just going to have a really fabulous time it's just you know let's get back to some live entertainment shall yep, we definitely
3: and it's also a bit of a kickoff to palm springs pride happening
2: it certainly is i'd like to say start your pride week off right with me and my girls at morongo <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun.
3: Seems like you've uh, done this before. <laughs> I don't
2: know what you're talking about.
4: (laughs) I mean, I I don't call her a drag diva for nothing.
3: She
2: does.
3: (laughs) Well, thank you so much again for joining us, giving us a little tease of what's to come. Again, that was Rosemary Galore. Check her out, Morongo Casino Resort and Spa, along with our own AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon, who are part of our first annual Divas in the Desert Drag Show Galore happening tomorrow, Thursday. Thank you so much again. We appreciate it. Hope to see you out there.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, everybody.
3: Bye. Now, next up, how dating apps can be more welcoming for the non-binary community. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Dating apps can be really alienating, especially for members of the non-binary community. And writer Cheyenne shared their story on Bustle.com recently. They join us now. Thank you so much, Cheyenne Davis, for being here. Hi. Thank you for having me.
8: Cheyenne,
4: I have been ready for you to get on this show today yep. because an article you wrote. Let me say that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, you know, as someone I who has just you know been in the dating field and gone on apps, let me just say I hate it. And I'm just a queer. Amen. I'm a queer, fat, black, you know, person. I identify as mm-hmm. he/him and pronouns, and mm-hmm. um. And I I openly talk about being queer, black, and fat, dating. and Amen. the dating me space, too. right? And the struggles that mm-hmm. come with that. But talk a little bit about your experiences as a non-binary person. Are you finding these apps to make you feel comfortable in being non-binary on these apps, especially existing in your other intersectional, like, you know, identities?
8: Child, first let me tell you, it's a hot mess express. what's. <laughs> let's just start there um it's difficult it honestly is and honestly i can identify with some of the things that you have said as well even though i identify as bashi um still living openly as a queer fat black person and also being ethically non-monogamous now at this point um it's very difficult because i just feel like i'm constantly explaining myself to people or not really feeling comfortable in doing so because people can be vile and it could be very difficult to say, Hey, like these are my pronouns or, Hey, I don't identify as such as I identify. And you don't want to, you know, experience any form of like misgendering or transphobia or fat phobia or any type of oppression while you're mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. And I often find that, That happens.
4: And you got to watch out for the weirdos who are going to fetishize your body because you are a bigger body person.
8: That, (laughs) that, 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 oh, when I tell you that always happens to me, and that's something that I'm constantly battling besides the non binary issue. Yeah. That um that I'm facing the fat issue has always been a consistent thing where you have the chubby chasers wanting you just for your body and then you're telling them yo like don't talk to me like that and they're like well but you're beautiful and I love mm. your curves and uh, you know you know how that goes. No,
4: I had somebody offer to feed me one time. What? And
8: that's that's happened to me several times. And
4: it's it's just one of those things mm-hmm. where I don't think people really understand, you know, not everyone's dating experience is going to be the same and these apps aren't really even right. trying to cater to different experiences experiences in this dating they're not. world
8: they're not
3: yeah and so with that I mean you in your article you said you took a break you went back on what are you seeing mm-hmm. right now that's working and then not working
8: well I'm actually going into a break yet again because it's just not working yes when I tell y'all it's just and it's always it's, date naps are like a revolving door right you get bored you know you want to cuddle up with somebody at night. You look on the app to see if there's anybody that's, that's viable or anybody that you want to, you know, date or be take interest in. And then they end up being weird or they ghost you or it's just it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and I you think that different dating apps pre- present different things, and they do because each dating app may have their own, you know, their own situation or their own setup. But at the same time, they all stem from the same place. They all stem from capitalism, so you really are not, seeing anything different. And then also from my experience, I see like the same people liking me on different apps. And when and even after you unmatch with them or deny them mm-hmm. on one app, I find it that they often find you in other places and they try to make it a point to get your mm-hmm. attention. And I find that to really weird. Wow. Yes, I happen to see all the, it literally happens one... to me
4: as well. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? wow I, and like mm-hmm. it, it gets to a point where you're just like what is going to happen here? Because it, that, at that point, especially if the if the person that you've already, you know, swiped right on or the person that you don't want comes back around, it seems like that's a tech issue. Like there there's some filter issues it going does. on. R- so what can what do you think that these, you know, I mean, these apps, these tech kind of apps should really focus on when it comes to making this experience a, a more enjoyable one?
8: Um, well, first and foremost, I don't think anything could be enjoyable if it's not made with your perspective in mind, especially if you're marginalized, because it's made out of capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. The goal of the dating app is really not for people to connect. It's for people to be in a constant cycle of disconnection and desiring connections so that they feel more inclined to pay for subscriptions or feel more inclined to stay on an app so that they can find something and still not find what they're looking for. Um, I don't really think these platforms are designed for people to be successful unless you are cis-head, white, thin, able-bodied, basically um, more desirable in society Uh, because even dating apps have algorithms too that we don't, we don't often have these conversations, but I feel like that's a conversation I'm definitely trying to have, especially in the journalism world, because Mm. they do have uh, algorithms that are not made for marginalized people. So of course the only way that these things could work is if things are not made from a capitalist standpoint, but being that we live in a capitalist society, that's never going to happen.
3: Totally, but it's sad because the, the this community it uh, creates a lot of money. Like, there's a lot of money that goes around in this community. So for people not Absolutely. to see, even on a capitalistic, even if you're going to be a capitalist, there's a lot of money we made and spent in this community. Hmm. Yeah, but I think
4: that's when it starts to be realized that they only want. I mean, you don't want to put a color on money, but they only want money from white folks. And that's who they're catering to.
8: <laughs> no, but that's, that's absolutely true,
4: though. It's real. That's it's a, a real. It's real, real for
3: something here now, because the change needs to happen. But
4: Cheyenne, we would love to talk yes. to you 7,000 more years from, from here. Maybe we can have you back on, but we're running out of time. You're just so fabulous okay. just, and amazing. Thank, thank you so much for being you. on the show with us.
3: Thank you for having me. Yeah, that was Cheyenne Davis. Check out their article on Bustle.com, why it still sucks to be non-binary on dating apps. Next up, it is continuing the anxiety around people coughing and how we all deal with it next. Let's go there
6: with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: You know, coughing has become <coughs> a, a bigger thing <coughs> than it should be. All, <laughs> wow, that's really hurting my ears.
4: You said <laughs> coughing,
3: right? I know, because now everyone thinks coughing means that you have COVID. So are you getting sick of this? <coughs> One, are you getting sick of people saying that you might have COVID? Or do you get anxious when someone coughs around you? Hell
4: yeah, especially in the height of the pandemic. Coughing at any moment. Do you know how many times I swallowed my coughs or held them in oh or, just, or just did just <coughs> did the worst (laughs) like did that yeah like that happened because immediately that was the only thing it wasn't you have a cold it wasn't you just have a tickle in your throat it was Mm -hmm. no you have COVID yeah and I think now as we've we've gotten vaccinated and you know there's people have gotten their booster shots which I still need to do just reminding myself Mm -hmm. um I think it's kind of less it's lessened some like the worries of it all
3: um at least for me anyway, like I don't if someone coughs, I don't yeah. I don't I don't get right. freaked out like I used to. I'll say something. When I was flying back from Alaska, we're all wearing masks in the airport and there was someone that was about to go on my flight that kept on coughing. And I was just like, I don't know about this. It wasn't just a one, like a few little coughs. Well, there's the levels that, to the cough. Exactly. What type of cough was it? Was it just like a <laughs> Or was no, it like no? A- no. <coughs> yes, it was one of those. One of those,
4: yeah. From the
3: That freaks me out. Yeah. Right? Like I was like, I'm gonna be as far from that person as possible.
4: Well, did you sit next
3: to that person? I mean, I don't remember. I don't think so. Oh no, I didn't. I know I didn't. Okay, yeah. I
4: was that to be like, well, because you came right back here.
3: Yeah, well, it's been many months. <laughs> so you know. And I wore an N ninety five mask. Oh, okay. They're so uncomfortable. Which we should have um, now more, uh, you know, give credit to the doctors who are those for hours. But back to the coughs. Uh Yeah, that's, I mean, that's I, all I have, have to say.
4: <laughs> no, it's, it's one of those things where I, I feel like we, like I said, we've given enough kind of like, all right, it's no big deal at this point. But let there be like a second or third or fourth or fifth variant of this damn thing. Ain't nobody allowed to cough ever again. If you do cough, you better, like, you know, cough in your shirt well, that's or cough on yourself a, a, or something wh-
3: like... Yeah. What COVID made me realize, all those videos where you can see people coughing and they're spitting all their air be going everywhere. So now, even if it's not a COVID cough, I'm just like, I am oh. I am taking you in. When you breathe or cough, we are basically well, connected each other. Not necessarily if you're wearing a mask. True.
4: Only, you know, particles still do come out. Only about But only a little bit of particles.
3: I mean, just think, there are so many random things floating around. As long as they're not COVID, it's okay, but. Well, how about you just give a
4: warning to people if you have a cough?
3: You're like, well, what hey, about sneezing? I got a cough. Sneezing too. I'm a sneezer. and I, I, s- I sneeze. Yep. But all humans do. I know, but I sneeze, I think, more often than the, most, the regular humans. Not you got COVID. No, it's called allergies. It sounds like COVID to me. <laughs>
6: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Yes, we're back with more show and also coming up more music here on Channel Q. It's turning into Frozen
4: in the studio because Shira's having hot flashes. How dare
3: you. It's nice and cold and refreshing. It is
4: freezing. It's about to snow in here. It's good for your brain. No, it's not. I'm not Elsa. Say frozen.
3: Um, Coming up in the Tea Report, Lady Gaga's house of Gucci is here. She's revealing how she perfected that Italian accent. Plus, the app that lets you buy leftover restaurant food in L.A. That's in 30 minutes. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. After last night's elections in the U.S., uh, the country will have elected more than 1,000 concurrently serving LGBTQ officials for the first time in history, and that's according to the Victory Fund. At least 237 lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer candidates were on the ballot. An 18.5% increase since the last off-year election in 2019. So, go everyone. We're moving on up. Now, Pittsburgh also has elected its first black mayor of the uh, state representative, Ed Gainey. So, lots of historic firsts. Here's what he had to share.
1: Because you proved that we can have a city for all. You prove that everybody can change. We know how people have talked about Pittsburgh, have talked about how silo it is, how segregated it is. But today, you change that. You change that.
3: So, a big congrats again to Representative Ed Ganey on his win in Pittsburgh. And finally, the U.S. had the second steepest decline in life expectancy among high-income countries last year during the pandemic, according to a study of death data spanning several continents. The only country studied that saw a worse overall trend was Russia. (laughs) So basically, us and Russia. Life expectancy dropped in 31 of these countries during the pandemic, but the U.S. Uh, saw the worst of it. US men saw life expense, expectancy fall by nearly 2.3 years. Women saw it drop by 1.6 years. The measurements provide one of the most comprehensive views of the human cost of the pandemic and really shows its effects on different age groups and genders. One surprise the drop in life expectancy in the US was driven by the deaths of young people. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay. <laughs> let's uh, move on to some good news.
4: Oh, my God. Let's talk Lady Gaga. Um, she really went method on this one. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So I know I can't be the only one excited about the House of Gucci. Yeah, I want to see Um it. Because she stayed in character as Patrizia Reggiani. Patricia. Whatever. It's Patricia.
3: <laughs> exactly.
4: Patricia Reggie.
3: Anyway, she was a murderer, so you could say whatever you want. Well, you know I was going to,
4: too. <laughs> um, You know, so she stayed in character for that role for the upcoming Ridley Scott film, House of Gucci, for the whole length of the film. The Oscar winner went on uh, full on into method acting to help her capture the essence of the disgraced, uh, disgraced former member of the Gucci family. She revealed in her British Vogue profile that she spent almost a year perfecting uh, the Italian accent for the drama. She even dyed her actual hair brown and took up photography and talked with an Italian accent for nine months.
3: You know what, I must say, stories like this make me want to be an actress. Like, it sounds so cool to do that for, like, nine months. Like, yeah, I'm going to Italy, just pretend I'm, like, an Italian person, living that life.
4: You know when you, like, really were trying to convince everyone that, someone at your local coffee shop thought you looked like Lady Gaga. Wait a Gaga. second. Yes.
3: You really try to convince actually, the world that And actually, Char thinks I story. sound like Lady Gaga. You tell Char. Even Char's Char says wrong. Lady Oh, Even is wrong sometimes. Which we'll, we'll talk
4: about it because she's actually going to be here. Yes. Um. And uh, next week? She'll mm-hmm. be here next week? All week with us. It'll be wonderful. But here's a clip of the trailer. How well do you think she did? Let's listen. Cut out. Here I'm gonna...
7: It was a name that sounded so sweet, so seductive. Synonymous with words.
6: style, power. But that name was a curse too.
3: Oh sorry, we were just oh, practicing. No, don't say we. We uh but oh, I heard you. No. We were both trying to repeat <laughs> her and see how well we could do the accent too.
4: Either way, I am obsessed with her. She even spoke um of her co-star Selma Hayek's reaction to her method acting technique. She said uh, quote, we were in between takes and Salma was like, oh, this is effing method actor um, is over here. You know, <laughs> she's not talking to me right now because I was doing sense memory work next to her and she was making fun of me while I was sitting there doing it. Wait, and what? Is sense
3: memory work?
4: Well, let me call Lady Gaga and ask. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to Google that. Um, she also quoted saying, and I didn't even laugh. When the scene was over, I flipped at her and said, you're ridiculous. And I started laughing, and then I kissed her. It was a wonderful <sighs> set, but I'm very um, serious when I work.
3: So I looked it up. Oh, please, we've got to leave. Since memory work. This is actually really interesting. Well, we have to leave. Well, you maybe you'll post it on... <laughs> uh, <laughs> She recalls physical sensations surrounding a personal, emotional experience to get into the role. That's intense.
4: Well, thank you so much for that. I said it. I said it. Yeah. Because you don't take no for an answer. We didn't. You don't take no for an answer. All right. Well,
3: that's your team report. (laughs) Next up, how to deal with a loved one who is a workaholic. This could be really difficult, so we're going to navigate that next.
6: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: It can be really difficult when you're in a relationship, whether it be you know your partner or just any loved one that you have in your life, and they're a workaholic. And so we want to talk about how to deal with that because it could be coming from many different places. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a reason why you're workaholic, and it It could be because you have a lot of work, or it could be because of something else, or because you enjoy your work. That too. Well, yeah, I think that always gets left out of the conversation. Well, let's talk about the nuances around that. Deborah Kim is with us right now, a California-based psychotherapist. Thanks for joining us.
9: Hi. Thanks for having me. Hey. Uh,
3: So I guess, yeah, what is that balance, or Mm -hmm. how do you know if you're workaholic? Holic nature is toxic or helpful?
9: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And we're talking about for yourself or for your partner? For your partner is that right? I guess
3: your partner. I feel like if you know about it for your partner, you could also be aware of it for yourself, though, right?
9: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like to think about it. You know, whenever we're in relationship with somebody, I always like to think about it in three parts. There's what's your stuff. There's what's your partner's stuff, and there's the the um, relationship itself as its own entity. Mm. So, you know, I like to think about, you know, how much of this, like, were you actually attracted to your partner in the first place because they were a workaholic? You know, is that something that was familiar?
6: Yeah.
9: Um, maybe it's something you grew up with, with your parents or caregivers. Um And so, is there something um, that was actually something that you saw as a strength of theirs, but maybe it's hit a point where you've shifted a little in your values and self-work, and now you see how actually um, it's creating a lot of difference between you two. Um, So, you know, that's that's one place I like to think about it as starting to just be really curious about your feelings. You know, is it resentment? Is it frustration? Is it anger? is it feeling even neglected? Yep. Um and how much of that is also something you're unconsciously reproducing, you know, to be neglected is that something old and familiar. Oh. Um
7: Yeah,
4: I mean my thing is I can't help but think for the couples out there that they didn't probably realize that they were a um like one person was more of a workaholic yep. until the pandemic and they were living together and mm-hmm. having that moment of closeness and kind of realizing oh, this is kind of a sign. So if it happened, if it came kind of later in the relationship and and you experienced something like a pandemic, which is traumatic, how do you Mm -hmm. bring that up? How do you say, well, Mm -hmm. how can we figure out how to now detach ourselves from
9: that behavior? Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. And I think that the first thing you want to do is make sure that when you approach your partner, it's not coming from this angry, accusing place. Because, you know, they're just liable to be, like, really defensive, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can get yourself to a really regulated and relaxed place and just be able to have, like, a really invitational dialogue with curiosity, right, you know, to say, like, hey, you know, have you noticed since the pandemic, like, how much you work? You know, do you you, – have you seen that? You know, so it's really invitational to your partner, um, for them to also be curious and to observe like how much they've been overworking,
3: yeah, but what if your partner, yeah, they they haven't had work, they finally have work, but you notice, and i'm going I'm going through this that they go from one extreme <laughs> to the other, right? They're either like always available to you or something comes up and they go the other extreme where they're not mm. you know they're still in communication, but they're acting like mm-hmm. I can't do anything else until I'm done with this project. Uh, like, what do you say to that? Including if if Mm -hmm. they are legitimately now getting work and they had a tough time, it kind of puts Mm -hmm. you maybe in a a weird place.
9: Yeah, yeah. And then like you kind of see this sort of split thing happening, right? Where they're extremely with you or they're extremely attentive to work, but they kind of can't find a middle path in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that can come up. So again, can you get your partner to notice that pattern and what that might be about? Mm -hmm. You know, is there even some anxiety right? That they have to be at like 110% in every domain, yeah. right? And and see how that might really lead to burnout. Um, yeah. And there's probably something complex going through on their end, both consciously and unconsciously about, um, you know, maybe there's something really scary about, you know, not performing at 110%, you know, and being all the way there. You know, is there something producing anxiety, you know, that they can't, you know, Kind of again, find a way to downshift a little.
4: Um, yeah, and honestly, it sounds like a, sure you're asking for a friend, right? It sounds
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I have lots of friends. I'm, around a lot of, I'm thinking I'm asking for something else. If you know what I'm saying, no, that's what I'm saying.
4: But here's the thing: I, I where do you think being a workaholic really does stem from? And, and can we actually take that onto the next break because you're doing a great job and we want to keep you oh. around? We have more. Let's go there coming up next.
6: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: We are back talking about how to deal with a workaholic partner mm-hmm. in your life. Deborah Kim is with us, California-based psychotherapist, as we try to figure out what to do about this because it can get complicated. But I
4: want to go to the root of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Yeah. where do you think being a workaholic
9: stems from? Thank you, Ryan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, just the nature of that, like workaholic, right? So that's already like almost naming a pathology, right? Kind of like alcoholic, like where we know that, right? There's something habit forming, you know, like what and you know, it what is that making up for? Because workaholic then is not about just the work. It's a symptom of something underneath that's creating a lot of distress. Right. Yeah. And it's this idea that if you work even more mm-hmm. somehow you know, you're going to alleviate that, but that's actually, it's not, but you're not going to. Yeah, by by working more. There's something underneath that that's very unaddressed.
3: It's like a self worth um, thing that you you get your self worth from the things outside of you. I mean, from my own personal work I've done, this is the yeah. conversation I've had where it's like the overcompensation of like if I yeah if I work more then I'll have more value.
4: It could also be a scarcity thing. You just a, scared yeah. to be broke. That's, that's
9: <laughs> that's it can be a real scarcity thing, right? Yeah. If you grow up with economic insecurity, a lot of kids of immigrant parents too that came to this country and struggled. It's you know you start it, it's like what used to be a strength, right to be able to work hard mm-hmm. actually becomes sort of like an achilles' heel, right, yep. where it starts to impinge on the enjoyment of your life, right, so then you don't even think you're eligible for pleasure mm. or to mm-hmm. take a pause
4: well and that's or you, or you deserve it and no, and I think that's something for me. I had to realize because I like I, I I coined it and I don't think I'm the first one to say it but I had some serious financial PTSD and for me all I was working for was to feel stability and so I was pushing myself one because I was attaching my worth to it and then also I needed money right and I think yeah. it can be really it was it's a really difficult thing that I've gone through from even to the sense of like if I take a nap I feel like I made the worst decision ever because I've, I could have been doing something else productive and a nap wasn't productive. I had to really relearn that, but that took time. So I wonder, for people who are listening, how do you kind of relearn these bad habits, relearn these bad traits that you could have learned from just other situations around you?
9: Did you say relearn bad traits?
4: Yeah.
3: I'll relearn. <laughs> oh, relearn Oh. Sub-cut. You just oh, said so yeah. right. wow. <laughs> Look at you, you being out. a therapist. She called you How out. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> right.
9: But 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 you're saying something important about like a trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this is also societal, right? This yep. is systemic. This is what capitalism wants us to do is seduce us into overworking. They want us to be workaholics, right? This is also, you know, about identities that are marginalized. Where because of white supremacy, if you, if you don't hold that identity, right? Everyone else has to work harder, you know, because we're oppressed. So, so I, this is both inside of us from our, what we grew up with, and it's also outside of us. So I think you have to have a lot of self-compassion, you know, and, and a really, and a real reckoning with yourself. You know about this. It's complex. Mm-hmm. There is a real strength again in being able to hustle and work hard and survive and do well, right? But if you're doing it at the expense of denying pleasure and participating and connecting with your partner, right? Then are you still living? So it's this really mm-hmm. tough balance and fine da- dance that we're always grappling with. We
3: gotta there have, to have so. thank, Yeah, thank you for this, this awareness. Sad. Actually, we need to wrap things up, though, Deborah. Okay. Thank you. We so appreciate you're it. So we can- Continue this for many hours. Uh, That was Deborah (laughs) Kim, a California-based psychotherapist. Thank you again. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Next up, uh, this app, I'm so excited for this conversation, lets you buy leftover restaurant food in L.A. We're going to talk more about that next.
1: Yeah. Oh. Wow.
3: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There's this app. It's called Too Good To Go that lets you buy leftover restaurant food uh, in L.A., but not just that. In Austin, Baltimore, Boston, Chicago, the D.C. area, New York, parts of Jersey. I mean, in many different cities and states, this is really cool. And uh, the company says on its web- website it's planning to expand more in the coming months. It doesn't specify where or when. But how does it work, you might ask. You go on it. It features different um, different places to eat. But you're not getting leftover food from someone else, Ryan. I think that's what made me thought it was. You're getting leftover. Why would you assume what I thought? Because I feel like you said yuck, and for me in my head, I did it I did like, for performance elements. Okay, now I'm, now
4: I'm revealing the man behind the curtain. <laughs>
3: well, Thanks, Because it would be, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be sanitary just to be taking if I ate something and I wanted to give it away, even though that's a nice thing to do.
4: I don't think you should assume anymore. You
3: know, true. Yeah. They actually say that in one of the four agreements. Don't assume anything. Anywho, uh, so this is so cool because this writer that checked this out in HuffPost... She went to, uh, she tried it a few times, and for like $3.99, she went to a pizza spot that gave her like four big pieces of pizza or something like that. She went to a cafe where she got a whole plate of baked goods. So it's stuff that, a I guess. Is that it, they f- didn't use. Yeah, it's not fresh. That night. But it's like, it is basically still good. It's just that they end up throwing so much away. It's so much waste.
4: Yeah, I mean, you, well, I feel like I told this story when I used to work at Panera Bread. We used to dump all of like the the breads, the loaves of breads, the bagels, uh, the pastries. We used to dump all of that stuff, and we would have moments where some people would ask if we could give it, you know, give it to them and put it in a bag and just give it to them so they can give it to like a homeless shelter or something. But we weren't allowed to because of certain rules, yeah. right? There, um, but I do think this is like a really interesting thing. Um, I just think. Even though, yeah, it's just kind of like leftover food from the the sense of like not everything that they've cooked or leftover that they've like...
3: Yeah, no, that they haven't served. That they, they haven't, haven't served no yet.
4: Um, I don't know. I just... There's still something about it that I'm just like... I'm not a really big leftovers person anyway.
3: I think this is... I, brilliant as you know I'm a leftist. but you gotta pay for it if they were just
4: giving it to homeless
3: people well cool they have so much but you gotta honestly. pay for it it's just like but R- Ryan there's so much there to like even distribute it like I think there's so much waste that there's enough for both people that just can't afford it, that maybe have a bit of money, and those who are unhoused.
4: But this is genuinely just for people. Like, they're just making some money.
3: Yeah, why not? Just By the way, but food homeless is so people. expensive, even for people who are not homeless these days. Like, to be able to go somewhere and get <laughs> a few meals for $4, this could be huge. Actually, this could be a game changer. I but think. some
4: people don't have $4.
3: And for those who don't want to maybe spend in LA fifteen dollars a meal or twenty dollars, and you got to go
4: to this spot. Yeah, like that's another thing. You got to think about the transportation. You got to go get there, and then like you know. So I mean, there's a lot to it. When I just think they could just pack all that up and head over there to Skid Row or to major areas that have a lot of homeless populations and just
3: make everybody some meals. True. This is another way to do it. I think this is an interesting alternative. Too good to go. Uh, Check them out online. Check out the app. There you go. An app to check out on
4: Let's Go There. I guess they're too good to go to Skid Row. (laughs) There
6: we go.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, next up, the crazy thing that parents are doing to give their kids COVID antibodies. That and more next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's Go
6: There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're
3: wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the day. Yeah. Yes, queen. This one goes to Zachary Wilmore, a senior at Rockbridge High School in Columbia, Missouri, who made quite the splash. He was crowned a homecoming queen. And he was celebrated by everyone from the media, his fellow students, and the LGBTQ community. But unfortunately, others insulted him. But by the way, this guy has over a million followers on TikTok. You can't assault or insult a queen. Exactly. So,
4: whatever.
3: So he said. Uh, He wasn't willing to take the abuse, shot back with a video that really was a clap back for the haters. He said, they thought Queen would look prettier on the sash. I was like, you're so correct, so I chose Queen. And he goes, before I start this video, let me just put on my crown that I want fair and square because homecoming is quite literally a popularity contest. A clap back for the haters. And he also said, taking a girl's dream away, lovely. Oh. This is what the people said. Sorry, the haters. Taking a girl's dream away, lovely. And this is what he said. A lot of you guys' uh, main points in the video of me winning was that I was stealing some little girl's dream. It was some little boy's dream, too, and that little boy was me. You guys are hiding your hatred and homophobia and a thick layer of fake empathy. So, yes. I mean, he said it. So, a big yes queen of the day to him for uh, being the queen of his high school and also of social media because he's killing it. Woo! Yes, Yes, Queen. Yes, (laughs) Queen. And that also does it for our show today, but we will be back tomorrow. Same time, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live here on Channel Q. On tomorrow's show, special guest Lauren Horegi joins us. Of course, you know her from Fifth Harmony, but she's got a new solo debut album coming out, her first one as an independent artist. So we're going to be talking to her, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's talking about how to take mental health breaks. That's next.